Welcome to this special series for Proud to be GIM Week, brought to you by the Day Shift podcast, the American College of Physicians, and the Society of General Internal Medicine. This series is sponsored by a Proud to be GIM grant from the Society of General Internal Medicine and features voices from guests in the ACP chapter regions throughout the country. In this series, we will revisit important topics from our first seasons that highlight our values and why we are proud to be GIM. This week, we'll be reflecting on our health policy and advocacy episode. The mission of the day shift is to shift the way we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the medical field. My name is Erin Beeson, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am an internal medicine resident at OHSU, a member of the Oregon chapter of ACP and Oregon ACP CORF. I have worked on Oregon ACP's advocacy day committee. This week, I'm so excited to announce our guest. Dr. Lavander is an assistant professor at OHSU, where she specializes in addiction medicine, researching how to improve care for those with substance use disorder. Her work in advocacy has made a profound impact on the care for our patients in Portland and beyond. She's also a member of the Oregon chapter of ACP and is an ACP fellow. She is co-chair of the Oregon Chapter Council of Early Career Physicians Committee and is a member of the Oregon Chapter Health and Public Policy Committee. Thank you. It's so great to be here. My name is Amena Lavander. I use she, her, hers, and Aya pronouns, and I'm an assistant professor at OHSU and a clinician investigator in the section of addiction medicine in the Department of General Internal Medicine. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to discuss this important topic today. I'm just wondering, you started as a generalist, and what was your path to becoming an addiction medicine physician? Thanks so much for that question. I took a sort of winding path to becoming an addiction medicine physician. I started off as a generalist, as a hospitalist at Oregon Health and Science University. And for three years, I provided care in an inpatient setting for a lot of patients who had addiction and substance use disorder. And I realized that I had a lot to learn about how to provide compassionate care for people with addiction. And so I took a pivot and went back to fellowship and did a three-year combined addiction medicine and clinical research fellowship, where I also got my master's in clinical research and really developed a path for how research can be used to guide evidence-based medicine and policy. And I'm now a clinician investigator in addiction medicine. I love that you realized that there was a need and then delved deeper into that need and really followed your passion. I think addiction medicine is so important because it affects so many of our patients today. And we all have a lot to learn, and I'm so excited to learn more in this episode. Thanks for having me. I'm really passionate about addiction medicine, and I think it's an area where there's a lot of overlap with um, the goals that being a generalist are. I provide a lot of general internal medicine care for patients with addiction, and a lot of the values that I have around social justice and equity come through in my work in addiction, and I think it's an area where Having advocacy skills is really important because I often have to advocate for my individual patients, for my clinic, for research, and for providing evidence-based care um, and compassionate care at the local, state, and national level for people with addiction and substance use disorder. When we're reflecting on the past episode on health advocacy with Dr. Sagar and Dr. Singh, They discussed the importance of health advocacy and policy in shaping care for our most vulnerable community members. 
what current policy issues impact your patients' lives? And why should physicians care about advocacy and the health policy? Thank you. I think those are both great questions. And I'll start with the second one about why physicians should care about advocacy. When I think about advocacy, I think there's lots of different levels of advocacy. There's advocacy for your individual patient in the clinic room for getting the medications that they need, for getting the the care that they need and deserve. I also think that advocacy for me has really helped with burnout prevention, being able to feel like I'm making a change helps me feel more compassionate towards my patients and other physicians. And it also, I think, helps to alleviate some of the like day-to-day stress and feeling like you're not able to make a change by channeling some of that frustration uh, and real sometimes even anger towards our system, towards trying to make that system better. And in terms of your first question around current policy issues that impact patients that I take care of, there's so many and a lot has changed with COVID. And I think right now we're seeing a real window where we could see some real lasting change for the better for patients with addiction, seeing what's changed with COVID. So there's been a lot of policies that have come into place around telemedicine that has really expanded access to treatment for a lot of people. Before COVID, we couldn't start someone on buprenorphine without seeing them in person. But with COVID, that was waived and I can now start buprenorphine on somebody with for somebody without them having to come into the office. And that's allowed me to provide care for people all across the state of Oregon. I've been able to assess and evaluate people with opioid use disorder who live on the border between Oregon and Idaho, which is almost six hours away. And they have no clinicians around them that can also provide them that care. That policy isn't set in stone. It's not law and it can change after the pandemic is over, if that ever happens. And we as physicians can advocate for why that policy is important by sharing our patients' stories, sharing our stories and providing care and how impactful that's been for us and for our patients and for their communities. I think that's where I really see a benefit to advocacy as a physician. Um, Other policy issues I think are around, uh, issues around housing policy. A lot of patients with addiction and substance disorder experience homelessness or unstable housing. So policies around funding for housing and can be really impactful. I think anything around the social determinants of health are also gonna be policies that impact everyone, but particularly people with addiction and substance use disorder. It's hard sometimes to keep up with all the policies, which is why I really love being involved with various different organizations like ACP and SGIM and also the Oregon Medical Association and also uh, the Oregon chapter of uh, the Society of Addiction Medicine, which all provide resources for helping keep up with policies that are happening at the local, state and national level. There are so many things that resonated with me 
that you said. Advocacy to me is compassionate care beyond the bedside and it has multiplied the compassionate care that I've been able to provide. I've also found that using my ACP resources, I go to their website and they have wonderful resources to help me stay up to date on all of the policies that are out there and has helped my ability to advocate. So I totally agree using my organizations has been so helpful. Do you have any other recommendations for getting involved in advocacy um, for beginners or folks who haven't started advocacy work? I think a lot of people think that you have to have very concrete skills or have very specific relationships with government officials or leaders in healthcare in order to be a successful advocate. And that's not true. Anyone can be an advocate. And like I said, you could be an advocate on so many different levels. And I think once you start to see yourself as an advocate, that that has a reinforcing quality that you're like, oh, I was able to successfully get my patient a medication that they really needed. And that feels really good. And you're like, I can do more. I can help more patients and I can help them in different ways. And so I think starting really small and really starting to recognize the effort that you're making and that every piece that you're advocating for your patients clinical care, for the things that they need, that's advocacy. And I think once you start to realize that a lot of the work that we do on a day-to-day basis is advocacy, then you can start to see how you can expand that into other areas. I think getting involved with organizations, I think, is really helpful. One, because there's so many different policies that are changing all the time. And organizations like ACP, SGEM, your state chapter of... um, medical associations can be really helpful to provide those policy guidelines. And they can also help you with when are the key periods for when we need to write letters or call in or use our expertise. If you're doing that work all the time, that's not how policy gets changed. There's certain key windows where that effort is really important. And just we don't want to be working all the time. You don't want to be doing advocacy work all the time if it's not actually going to be having an impact. So I think that's where organizations can be really helpful because they can tell you, hey, like right now, Oregon is in session. So now's a really great time to be communicating with our Oregon government officials because they're down in Salem working on policy. So now's a really great time because everything is on their mind. They're trying to do this quick, short session. So now's a really great time to reach out to people. I think the other piece with getting involved with organizations is that I've learned so much from other people in different organizations around how to be an advocate, how to get involved in policy. There's just like when you're taking a history on a patient, there's a, a script that you need to follow. There's scripts for advocacy as well. And I see people who talk and I'm like, oh, I'm going to save that as a future (laughs) one sentence or two sentence that I can use in the future too. And I think also the passion that other people have is, I don't like to use viral metaphors anymore, but it really is contagious to see the energy that other people have that they bring to the work, to the advocacy work. And I think organizations, you can also I think it's also really important to get involved with community organizations and efforts that are happening 
in your community. When Measure 110 being done in Oregon, there were a lot of community organizations that were doing a lot of the groundwork on collecting initial signatures to get that on the ballot, doing advocacy around calls to have people then vote yes for it. And that's where I think as physicians, we can come in and be humble and learn from communities around what they need from us. How can I be helpful? And sometimes what's helpful is for me to pick up the phone and make calls to voters and say, I'm a physician and I agree with this ballot measure. And I had lots of really interesting conversations with people across the state of Oregon as why as a physician, I supported Measure 110, which for listeners who don't know, was the decriminalization of drugs bill that passed in Oregon as a ballot measure. You included some wonderful tips, including how to get the most bang for your buck in advocacy, which is so important. And then the script of how to do advocacy is also really wonderful and a great stepping stone for advocacy. When we're thinking about medicine, what can generalists and even trainees who are often generalists do to provide excellent, compassionate, and safe care for patients who are experiencing substance use? Thanks. That's a great question. And something that I'm really passionate about is how to provide compassionate care for people with addiction and substance use disorder. And I think the first step is to recognize the humanity in every person that we provide care for. And I think so much of our society, there's so much stigma around addiction and substance use disorder that I think so many with addiction don't feel like they're part of our community and society, which is why I was so passionate about Measure 110, because I really think a huge component for why people with addiction face so much stigma is around the criminalization of their addiction. I think the other important piece is the language that we use when we talk about addiction and how we communicate with our patients, how we communicate with each other and other members of the healthcare team. I'm really interested in how we communicate both verbally, but also in our notes and the language that we use and how that permeates through a person's chart. And so I think it's really important as in an academic institution that I provide feedback to trainees and to everyone that I work with. And I think that's also an ad- an aspect of advocacy is that we're all learning. And I think that one thing that trainees can do is to ask questions around why people use certain language and use the that as a learning opportunity for everyone. Like an example being, tell me a little bit more about why you use that word or why you described a patient a certain way. And that can be a reflection point for everyone on the team to reframe how they're providing care for their patients. So I think trainees hold a lot of power in that they're there to learn and that they can use their desire to learn as a way to advocate and mentor up (laughs) to the people that they work with and for everyone on their team. I love that. I think that's so beautiful and that providing compassionate care 
for everyone is advocacy in and of itself. And then teaching and learning is also a form of advocacy. We should be treating all patients with respect and using that energy and bringing that passion for providing care for people and then translating that into advocacy in all different aspects of your life and work. Thank you so much. We want to thank all of you for joining us on today's episode. To continue engaging in this very important conversation, please join us on Twitter with the proud to be GIM hashtag and follow at the day shift or at Oregon ACP. We'd love to see you there as you share why you are proud to be GIM. The Day Shift podcast and its guests provide general information and entertainment, but not medical advice. Before making any changes to your medical treatment or execution of your treatment plan, please consult with your doctor or personal medical team. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by The Day Shift. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the Day Shift team are those of each individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Day Shift team and its guests, employers, sponsors, or organizations we are affiliated with. The Day Shift podcast is proudly sponsored by the American College of Physicians, Southern California Region 3 chapter. Our theme music is brought to you by Chris Dingman. Learn more at www.chrisdingman.com.